I'm Meg Dahl, your unbreakable host. Welcome to the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Unbreakable You podcast. It's Meg, and this week I have an awesome guest sitting down with me to talk all about hormone health and how we can actually approach and balance hormones by starting with our brain and really working on nourishing our brain and doing all of the things that will support our brain and therefore support our hormones because that is actually the root cause approach. When we have hormones out of balance, you don't go straight to the ovaries or other reproductive organs, we go to the brain because that really is the control center of it all. So Kaylee McDevitt, who is an incredible registered dietitian, is joining me in today's episode. And she is honestly one of the sweetest people I have ever connected with through Instagram. So if you're not already following her, she is KayleeRD on Instagram. I also have it written in the show notes because she spells her name a little bit differently. So check out the show notes. You can start following her on Instagram. I also We'll be talking about her today on Instagram and sharing a quote from this amazing episode. She provides so many great nuggets and tools for you to listen to this episode and then go home and start implementing them within your own life. So I'm really excited for you to listen to this show. Kaylee and I actually recorded this episode back in August, very shortly after I got my first recovery period after 12 years of having hypothalamic amenorrhea. So I talk about like summertime. So I just wanted to give you a heads up that this was recorded in August, but still incredibly relevant because I'm so passionate about talking about hormone health and stress, like addressing all of that stress on our brain to support our hormones and minimizing, obviously, that stress because it's like the number one factor If you do have HA, amenorrhea, if you do have that, if that's something you're currently struggling with, you really do need to take a step back and assess all of the factors that are contributing to the stress within your life. And Kaylee and I go over all of those in today's episode. So if amenorrhea is something you're currently struggling with or even irregular periods, any type of hormone imbalance, this show is definitely for you. And we'll cut over to it in a few minutes here, but I just wanted 
to say hello and give you some updates on what's been happening since we last chatted. So I am still on my Health Beyond Food Tour. I will be in Sudbury, Ontario for the rest of the week. So if you're in Sudbury or surrounding area, if you're close to Sudbury, don't hesitate to reach out to me on Instagram or shoot me an email, but please reach out to me. I have Health Beyond Food workshops all week and I would love for you to come to one of them and we could meet in person. That would be amazing. So I have been chatting with several of you who have reached out and said that you are in Sudbury or nearby and I'm going to get to see you this week so if you are also one of those people I would love to connect with you and yeah I've just been really enjoying my time in Ontario I lived in Ontario for four years while going to university so I always get super excited being back it just it's like my second home here even though I wasn't in Sudbury going to to school. Ontario just feels very homey to me. But I will be home when we talk next week. And I'm sure I will be spending all of my weekend when I get home. I get back on Sunday, this coming Sunday. And I am so ready for all of the penny snuggles. (laughs) So if you follow me on Instagram, You'll get penny updates as soon as I get home. And also, speaking of Instagram, I just have to say thank you to everyone who has been taking screenshots as they listen to the show and sharing them on Instagram and tagging me. So if you are listening to this episode and you're enjoying what Kaylee and I are talking about, then take a screenshot and post it over on Instagram in your stories or in your feed and be sure to tag me at I am Meg Dahl so I can see it and thank you personally. I love chatting with you ladies and I also love seeing who's listening to the show and if you're enjoying it. So just wanted to say thank you to all of you who have been doing that over the past week. I've noticed a lot of you have been doing that. So that means so much to me. And let's get over to this conversation with Kaylee because it's so awesome. I love it. And I know you're going to love it too. So enjoy and we'll chat next week. Hey, Kaylee. Welcome to the show. I'm super excited to have you on with me this week. I've been waiting for it. (laughs) Oh, me too. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. Well, I discovered you on Instagram and I came across a post that you shared all about balancing hormones and how we really need to address our brain health to address our hormone health. And I just loved your approach. It just made so much sense the way you had it broken down. And I know I shared your post and I got so many comments after that of girls that follow me saying, oh my gosh, this makes so much sense. So I just wanted to have you on. But before we dive into what we are going to be talking about today, do you want to introduce yourself, sweetheart? Sure. So my name is Kaylee McDevitt. I'm a registered dietitian. 
Um, and I work one-on-one -on -one with clients in my virtual practice, primarily with women overcoming oftentimes chronic hormonal issues, things they've been dealing with for decades, if not their whole adult life. Um, and then in addition to one-on-one -on -one work, I am a co-creator of an online women's health course and community called Her Hormones Academy that was created alongside another dietitian. Um, so I am incredibly honored to do what I do. I love the women that I get to work with. And I love that social media brought us together because the work you're doing is incredible too. I'm just so excited to have this conversation with you. Well, thank you. And I'm really excited to say that I was listening to a podcast with you and one of my really great friends, Erin Holt. Oh, yeah. And it was like just a couple days before that like I was listening to you guys talk and then a couple of days after I got my first period in like oh, 12 amazing. years. So I was very happy and excited to tell you. Yes. Congratulations on that. <laughs> I saw that on your Instagram and was so excited for you. Thanks. So I thought we could talk about that. I know I've been talking about it a lot, but what helped me when I was recovering my period was really like learning about it in different ways too and really understanding how to support my body in getting my period back and like working with my body right and like I said earlier I just love how you place so much focus on brain health to address hormone health. So can we talk about that? And maybe you can just give us like an intro of how you start communicating that with women, because when we dive into like the whole hormone balancing world, it's a lot, right? Like there's so much to understand. Um, but when we really connect it back to the brain, it makes so much sense. Yeah, I'm really happy that that resonated with you. And I just heard you say, you know, working with your body as part of your story. And that's really what I'm passionate about is helping to change that narrative that we're not given these cards where our body's working against us and we're constantly battling it, trying to get it to do what we want. It's about being in alignment with that body. And at least in my experience, starting the conversation about hormones with what's going on in the brain really helps make that situation clear. It makes it easier to understand that, okay, it's what we do for our body that influences what our body does for us um, because there's that give and take at the level of the brain. And when it comes to hormone production, it's, it's your brain calling the shots there. It's not up to your ovaries to decide what to do. It's not up to your thyroid to decide what to do. It's getting very clear instructions from parts of your brain and your brain gets instruction from you and how you treat your body and how you live your life. Um, and so I think remembering that all hormone production is going to start in the brain gives us a lot of power because we have the ability to tell our brains that it's safe to make hormones, that it's a good time to make hormones, that we're on the same team. Mm -hmm. Oh, gosh, I resonate with that so much. And I think that just goes to show you, you know, for me getting my period back, I was the one changing my actions and like doing the things. And I know I said this on Instagram, too, but I'm just like so grateful for this journey. Like, yes, I had to do the things, but I'm grateful for my body because she was the one that actually 
did the thing that I wanted her to do, you know? So it's a pretty awesome relationship, I guess. Right. So what are some of like the first things I know? Um, there's a lot of things that we can do to support our brain to then support our hormones, but what are like the main blocks that we have a lot of time so we can go through okay. all of the things. And I know the ladies <laughs> listening to this episode are going to be very excited. Yeah. Awesome. So it's, it's not rocket science when it comes to getting your brain to feel in a comfortable place to help you make the hormones that you want. Um, it's just a different frame of looking at it. So we have to think about the input that the brain is gathering from us. And that's predominantly the food that we eat sends messages to the brain or the food that we don't eat because that's part of our conversation. Your stress levels, the type of movement or activity you do every single day, how your sleep is, um, and then, you know, input from your environment. So the quality of the air you breathe and the other chemicals you might get exposed to. So if we can break it down like that, we'll start with the food piece. Um, and first and foremost, we have to be eating enough or our brain takes that input as, hey, she's in a situation where there's not abundant food. And as a, an effort of having your back, your brain actually slows down hormone production because it doesn't want you to bring a child into a world where there's a famine going on. Um, and it sounds crazy to think of it like that, because even if your goal isn't a baby right now, that's how the female body is wired and all hormone decisions are going to relate back to that. So if we're, we're consistently under eating, we're sending a message to our brain, hey, there's not enough food around here. This is a stressful time in life. And your body's like, say no more. I got you. We're going to slow everything down for you. We will not be supporting fertility because now's not the good time. So I know eating enough and recovering from disordered eating patterns is something that you focus a lot of your time on. And that's probably not a new message to your audience, but we have to start there. That's the mm -hmm. biggest influence on what our brain is going to do is, are we getting enough food in on a consistent basis? Mm -hmm. So do you work with a lot of women who are chronic under eaters as well? Totally. And, and at least in my clientele, it's not typically on purpose. It's a lot of mm -hmm. accidental under eating and just unawareness or having been on so many diets, they've lost connection with, you know, hunger and satiety cues. For sure. And I know that was me. Like, obviously, I had eating disorders in the past, and they were restrictive type of eating disorders. But I haven't dealt with an eating disorder since 2013. I've been recovered, but it was just like, unintentional under eating. And it was this time last year when I was like, wow, I am not ever hungry. Just like you said, right? You kind of lose your hunger signals and that's your brain protecting you. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's hard today, you know, with social media and the magazines, anything targeted towards women is almost always pushing like 1200 to 1500 calorie type eating plans and it just seems like that's the mold that women are being put into. And mm -hmm. we just get unintentionally stuck there thinking that that's sufficient. And um, I just think education on what a female body actually needs to function is, is everything. So I always love connecting with people like you that are preaching that kind of a message. Like the more food. <laughs> yeah. Like we need a lot of food. And honestly, for me, like when I was first starting out, 
Um, I'm not one to suggest people like track their food or anything like that because that has caused me so many issues in the past. And it always gets to a point where I'm like, why am I doing this? You know, it's it's never like super beneficial. But this time last year, in August of last year, I was at the point where I knew I was unintentionally under eating, but I also was like, okay, I actually need to like put my food into a tracker just mm-hmm. to see like what the proper amount of food actually looks like. And it's way more than what most women like would assume, right? Oh, totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm with you on that. I like food trackers for just the simple um, benefit of awareness, just so you can see what, what are you eating in a day and how does that compare to, you know, an estimated need for someone like you. And, um, it's really opening. And I had a similar experience myself in my own health journey of realizing that I was under eating pretty significantly and just didn't know until, mm-hmm. you know, I put it in a tracker and was like, Oh, well, this explains that. Okay. So, and then what were your personal steps? So you like kind of saw in the tracker, okay, this is where I'm at and it's not where I should be eating, mm-hmm. right? And so um, were you a dietitian at the time as well? Okay, yep. yeah. And I mean, like I went through, I don't know if you know this about me, but I went through dietetics in university and then I didn't okay. do my internship. So I I feel like we can relate on that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, um, but yeah, so what did you do for yourself um, to make those changes? Because I think a lot of women like, I mean, for me personally, when I saw I wasn't eating enough, I was like, oh, sweet. Like, I'm just going to like add all like a thousand extra calories um, minimum. And but for some women, there's some fear, right? Because they still aren't like trusting their bodies. And there's still that fear of food Um, at that point, like this time last year, obviously I had a really healthy relationship with food. So I didn't have that fear of adding in foods, but can we talk about that a little bit? Because I think there's two different like camps of women here, right? Mm -hmm. Totally. And it makes sense after a long period of time of feeling like you have to restrict your intake to all of a sudden get this green light that you need oftentimes massive increases in food. Like you said, like a thousand extra calories isn't that uncommon. Um, and so I just like to take things slow, um, and, and to ease the mind of somebody that has anxiety around this by just being very gradual about it, especially if it's been a long time and those hunger signals are really downregulated. it's tough to, to get that much extra food in and feel physically comfortable. So I think slow and steady is my approach when it comes to that, if there's any fear around it. Um, I know for me, when, when I realized I had been under eating, this was far enough into my own hormone journey where I really understood the implications of that and was just like, literally, I'll do anything to get things back on track. And I had a good relationship with food at that time in my life and was able to increase it pretty quickly. Um, but if anybody's nervous about it, just take it slow. You don't have to go up a thousand calories in a day. Um, that's where working with somebody that can walk you through it Mm -hmm. is super helpful because there's going to be some emotions connected to it. There's going to be some fear. Um, and if there's fear around any weight gain that might happen with that, that's where having the support of a practitioner is, is everything. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with that more for sure. So I love that you said 
take it slow. And I actually was talking about that on Instagram the other day too, is like someone who goes all in or jumps right into it day one, they're no better than someone that's taking it slow. We're all on this journey and our journeys aren't going to look anything like the next woman. So do it however it feels right for you. Yeah. No right or wrong way to do it. So when it comes to, um, so we talked about, we need to be getting enough calories and whatnot, um, for proper hormones, but where do you sit in terms of like macronutrients and whatnot? Um, I don't think it's super important to be like really specific about this, but I know when I was way too low carb for a really long time, that wasn't helpful. I noticed like huge changes in my mental health alone, like not even just hormones, but like my mood and just like the extra chatter in my head was so much more intense when I was low carb. Yeah. And I would say I've had a similar experience with that personally. And I see it a lot in the clients that I work with. And I always like to be clear, there's nothing there's no one set macronutrient prescription that works for everybody. I wish there was, our life would be a lot easier if that was the case, but in the world of trying to get your hormones back on track after a period of under eating, like nine times out of 10 carbs are too low to start with. And and I will increase that in people because carbohydrates send very strong messages to your brain. That's going to influence hormone production. Um, and women, as compared to men are a lot more sensitive to not enough carb in their diet. Like it's going to throw their hormones into chaos a lot faster than it would for a male, which is why it's a bummer that like the majority of the studies on anything low carb are done on men and then just applied to women. And it's just not, not the same. So I don't have a set macronutrient guideline for people. I'm worried first about total calories. And then after that, I'm just looking for balance. So maybe something like 40% carb, 30 fat, 30 protein. Um, and then after they're consistent with the total intake and balanced meals, I might play around with changing the ratios based on the person and how they're feeling. Um, so anywhere from like probably 40 to 50% carb is pretty typical in my world. I don't know what Mm -hmm. you experienced with that. I mean, for me, I was, Really, I I don't even know where I am at percentage wise because I completely stopped tracking and I did that like three weeks before I got my period. So I think for me, it was really just like truly listening to what I needed. But at every meal, I had like a protein, a carb, mm-hmm. a vegetable and fat. Like I cook with fat. I put fat on like my potato. Like I love butter on my potato, you know, like good grass fed butter and things like that. Um, Fatty meats. So I had a good amount of fat at every meal, but I also had a starchy carb and a good protein. And so probably at the end of the day, things were quite balanced for me. And I got my period back. So I feel like that seemed to work for me. And I know for a lot of my other friends that recovered their periods, it really does seem like once you stop like fixating, first of all, on what this perfect balance is, because like you said, there is no such thing. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, I've always said that our bodies just need balance. And kind of to um, building my plate like that, 
like a protein, a starchy carb, a vegetable, and then using fats as I need them. Um, and just like making my meal taste really good with fats Mm -hmm. that comes really intuitive for me like that's how I just naturally build a plate and so I think that speaks to like that speaks volumes as well oh yeah yeah I love that and it keeps it simple too you know we Mm -hmm. can have like a template of a meal like that like how we set up a plate and it's easy to adjust different ingredients based on what you have and what you like versus trying to calculate a specific percentage. But mm-hmm. um, I will say that that's common in, in period recovery, that increase in carbohydrates helps bring it back. I've seen it time and time again. So if any of your listeners are struggling with not getting their period back, it would be worthwhile to investigate you know, how many carbs they do get in a day, because it might not be enough for them. And if that's an easy change we can make to bring that back, then it's huge. Mm-hmm. And I do want to say, if anyone thinks that, they might be triggered by plugging their eats into an app that tracks their calories and obviously the grams of protein and carbohydrates and fat that they eat. Like working with professionals like you and I is such a great tool because then they don't have to look at those things, right? Right. Yeah. So we talked about the food aspect and I know um, there's several more things. So let's dive into those. Okay. The last thing I want to mention about the food is once the the quantity and the balance is taken care of, because that's like the foundational piece here, then we can think about food quality um, and trying to make sure we're not getting a bunch of inflammatory foods in our diet. So that would be things like a bunch of added sugars, you know, refined sugars is what I'm talking about there low quality oils, things like artificial sweeteners or anything that's really chemical laden. Because if we're eating foods that are causing inflammation in our body, that's also input to the brain that's going to influence everything downstream from there. So we're just looking at real food, really. I mean, food that's as close to its whole form as possible. We know, you know where it came from. We can recognize anything on the ingredient list the majority of the time, then we'll be in in really good spot there. Um, I love that so much. And it's such a better way of approaching it, seeing it as it as like, okay, this is inflammatory. It just is. That's just the way it is. It's not just inflammatory to my unique body, right? Because there are going to be foods like that, that cause inflammation in my body and not in yours. Mm -hmm. But looking at like, though that's very short list of food that you just provided us and seeing it as something that causes inflammation to our brain and then impacts our hormones right rather than putting it on this list and saying these foods are bad don't eat them and really seeing it as okay this is how I'm choosing to take care of my body Yeah, I love that. Yeah, it's choosing to take care of your body. And it's not saying that you have to be 100% clean 100% of the time, but Mm -hmm. it's taking the responsibility for when I make a decision about how I want to nourish myself, I know that that's going to affect these processes in the body. Um, And again, it's back to being on the same team as your body. Mm -hmm. You you want to nourish it with the best stuff you can come across. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the last kind of basic nutrition piece is just hydration, which I know it's beat into our heads over and over again, but your brain is mostly water. So if we're dehydrated, the brain is not happy and we want a happy brain for happy hormones. Oh yeah. I remember (laughs) I had one client and she came to me with 
all of these symptoms like extreme fatigue and, you know, like all these things. And I looked at her hydration and I was like, okay, we need to get your water up. And we just started with that. And then she told me she didn't need to work with me anymore because she (laughs) felt totally fine after just drinking enough water. So that's great. You love when those quick client graduations happen from something simple. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But seriously, hydration plays such a key role. And I even noticed that in my own life. Like if I go to a morning without drinking enough water by noon, I'm like, oh my gosh, I feel like crap right now. Yes, totally. So that's a nice, like low hanging fruit. Like that's easy. It's inexpensive. It's really effective. And if it's not getting done regularly, it makes a huge difference like it did in your client. Um, so the next thing is actually taking care of your gut. So I want to nerd out about that for a second. I just came back from a conference this weekend that really, um, kind of hit this message home again, but there's a huge connection between our digestive tract and our brain. And those two tissues developed at the same time during fetal development of the same tissue. Like they're very, very similar and they're directly connected by something called the vagus nerve. So there's like this highway of information between your gut and your brain. And I think it's typical to assume that that communication goes from brain to your gut all the time, but actually the majority of the communication goes the other way. It goes from your gut to your brain. So the things that are going on in your gut are going to control the things going on in your brain and vice versa. So what we want to make sure we're doing is taking care of our microbiome, the different bacterial species that live in our gut. And we want them to be happy, healthy, and diverse. Um, And so our two biggest tools in that department are getting enough fiber and then having variety in our diet. And that's I saw you post foods. about that. Yes. <laughs> Didn't you say like 50 different foods or something mm-hmm. like that? Yes. Yeah. So did that kind of blow your mind? Were you like, how am I going to do this? <laughs> yeah. 50 foods in a week feels like a lot. I, I'm not really sure where I fall on that spectrum, but I do know that I get into food ruts where I find like a breakfast and a lunch that I love. And then I just eat them every day. Me too. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. I am definitely, I just like stopped posting pictures of my food, <laughs> but I basically, I'm still eating the same smoothie that I have been eating like all summer. Mm-hmm. And it's just so hard to stop. And it's not because like I'm telling myself I have to. And I just thought it would be cool to bring this conversation up because um, maybe you can relate. I don't know. But I did get a question on Instagram recently about like, okay, what like, do you think it's actually good to be eating the same meal over and over mm-hmm. again? And she was more saying like in terms of is it good for your relationship with food Mm -hmm. is it good for your mental health right and I must say that in the past there were meals that I made myself eat because they were quote-unquote my safe meals or I was scared to eat anything else so I only ate those meals and I forced myself to eat them but then there's some foods that I'm sure like you and I like with breakfast and lunch that you said you get in these food ruts and same with me you just get in these food ruts because this meal combo is so good and if you don't (laughs) have it you're like oh my gosh I just wish I would have ate that instead I know It's hard. It's a hard line to walk. And so something that I'm trying to implement for myself, because I'm the same way, 
like I just find certain things that I absolutely love and my day doesn't feel complete without them. Yeah. So I'm just trying to change up like little components of them from week to week. So like maybe a different type of handful of greens I'm dropping into my smoothie, or maybe it's different fruit or maybe a different nut butter just to get some rotation in there because right. different foods are going to feed different types of bacteria in your gut and aiming for that, like 50 different foods a week um, is a great way to get that diversity up. So I'm working on it. It's not yeah. yeah. Even small steps, right? Same thing as we said before, small steps, getting that variety in. Yes. Definitely. Awesome. So I did, I was following along with you at that conference. Was that probably like one of the biggest takeaways for you? Yeah, especially something that's directly applicable to the realm of nutrition. Mm -hmm. I felt like the power of nutrition was the most clear when we were talking about the gut brain access. Um, and I thought that a really encouraging statistic that they shared was that you can change your microbiome for the better in just four days of eating differently which is really cool. It's really, really cool. And I love trying to find those kinds of takeaways to just reinforce how much power we have over our health. Yeah, for sure. That's amazing. Yeah. I've never heard that stat before actually. Yeah. I hadn't either. So I I love that. So yeah, the conference was awesome. It was all about brain and mental health. And um, I just particularly loved the gut brain talks that they had. Oh yeah. Awesome. Cool. Good to know. And I love that being one point of how we can connect with our brain too, Mm -hmm. is really focusing on our gut health. Yep. Mm -hmm. For sure. Yep. Um, So let's see. So we're talking about the input we give to our brain. So another big one would be um, the activity, like the movement exercise that we get in a day. Um, And so I always like to just say smart exercise here, which I know is super vague and annoying to hear. And again, it's different for every person based on the different stressors in their life. We're all going to have a different capacity for exercise, depending on where we've been and where we're hoping to go. Um, Movement is without a doubt important. We want to keep the blood flow to our brain sufficient and, and moving is one of the best ways we can do that. Um, but we don't want to have so much exercise or an unhealthy relationship with exercise where it's compounding stress on the body. Um, So I I don't have a typical guideline for exercise because it just depends on the person, but I'd say movement is huge and remembering that it doesn't have to be killing yourself in the gym. It could be like more walking. Walking is so underrated. Mm, I know I'm I've always been into walking. I always say that, like, (laughs) if I could only choose one thing to do to move my body for, like, the rest of my life, and I love lifting weights. Like, I love it, but if I could only choose one thing, I'd be like, fine, I'll just walk for the rest of my life. Like, (laughs) yeah, it's just so calming, and I did really tone back um, the amount I was lifting weight. And like the actual weights I was lifting, um, like poundage, I toned that down and just focused more on walking. And that's what helped me regain my period. But I was still able to lift weight. But I was um, just really honest with myself, um, doing like rest-based training too. I think that's um, key. We're just talking about like brain health connected to hormone health. And um, 
that's how I train in the gym is I do a set and then I literally sit there for like three minutes until Mm -hmm. I pick up a weight again. Yeah. I love that. And I've had a similar experience of having to tone things down. I, um, back in the day was like an avid marathon runner. So Mm. I was, I mean, those were like three and four hour training runs and, um, and then I was doing like high intensity boot camp style workouts too. And it was just a complete disregard for the signs my body was giving me back about how I was not recovering from those exercises, how I couldn't sleep at night because my nervous system was so keyed up from the training. And, um, I think evaluating your exercise and listening to how your body actually is responding to them is a really great lesson. And again, trying to get on the same team, um, an exercise should make you feel good. You shouldn't feel depleted and just like on the floor, not able to move. It shouldn't affect your sleep negatively. It, it should be something that enhances instead of, you know, decreases the quality of your life. Um, So if that's something that you've never evaluated, I would really recommend paying attention. How do you feel during your exercise? How do you feel after and for the next day or two after that? And if it's not positive, then it's time to think about maybe changing some things up. Yeah. So you kind of gave us a couple examples, like feeling really exhausted after your exercise, not being able to sleep. Um, What would be some other key warning signs that our ladies might need to start like zoning in on and being like, hmm, is that something that I'm dealing with? Yes. Okay. Now I need to maybe like readdress how I'm approaching exercise. Yeah, for sure. So the sleep is a big one. And it seems like that one happens pretty early on in this process. Um, Another one would just be that you're not recovering from training. Like you feel depleted and sore for like way longer than you used to feel Mm -hmm. after the same kind of training. Um, I know for me personally, there was a lot of brain fog going on. And I think probably because I wasn't sleeping much because of this. Um, And then even your drive to train tends to go down too, where you're just like, you know, I used to love going to the gym. Now I'm dragging myself there because I feel like I have to, but I don't have that same like fire in me to do it. And you don't feel like you perform as well when you're there. Yeah. And that's not a motivation issue, right? Like it's your body is literally telling you, slow it down. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Your body's just looking out for you. It knows that it was too much. And it's like, Hey, we need to relax on this. Um, and, and it's heartbreaking when we take that to mean that we don't have the motivation, you know, and and it ends up being this negative spiral when your body's really just trying to watch out for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But weight strength training can be a healthy thing in a woman's life. Right. Oh yeah. I think it's fantastic. Mm -hmm. And if someone was experiencing hormone issues, what are your thoughts on like running and things like that? Yeah. So I tend to be the most cautious with chronic cardio for Mm -hmm. anybody that's having hormone issues because it's just not doing us any favors. So that would be, you know, chronic cardio and high intensity training are the first two things that I'm going to look at with like a magnifying glass. Mm -hmm. We just want to make sure that if you do it, because maybe let's say you love it, like distance running is your jam. And I don't want to take that away, but we've got to make sure we build in sufficient rest and recovery. 
Um, so we'd scale that back. We'd make sure that you've got several days in between training episodes. We want to make sure that if you want to continue to train that way, that your nutrition and your sleep is on point because that's how we, you know, re- how we recover from those things. And our recovery should always be greater than the training load or we're not doing ourselves any favors. Um, so I would much rather, you know, decrease the intensity on the cardio to make room for some strength training. And I love the rest-based training principle where we're using real-time feedback from our body and watching how we recover from things to dictate what we do in the gym because that's, mm-hmm. I mean, that's how it should be. So I'm a big fan of lower intensity, less frequent cardio. So walks, just movement. Um, and I like strength training, but not necessarily high intensity strength training if there's any hormone issues going on. Right, right. Just like good, kind of easier paced, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Just to kind Lots of, of rest. And- yeah. Just to, and again, like you don't need to be going to the gym to set any records. Like that's kind of how I like approached it in my head when I mm-hmm. was working with my body to get my period back. I, we have a gym in our basement and I have like all the weights, like barbells, all these big plates and stuff. And every time I went down there, I just like said to myself, okay, like I'm not setting any records here. You know, I'm just simply doing this to move my body, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's movement. It's a celebration of your body's abilities. It's taking care of yourself. It's not trying to, do it because you have to, or Mm -hmm. crush yourself in the gym because you feel like you have to. So Mm -hmm. it's a lot tied back to that relationship with your body and what the purpose behind your movement is. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So we did, um, nutrition, like enough sufficient calories, gut health, movement, exercise. What are some other ways we can really communicate to our brain that things are safe enough for it to provide us with happy hormones. Mm -hmm. So stress, managing our stress is a huge one. Um, And it's important to remember that it's not just like the mental, emotional stress that usually comes to mind. Um, That's of course a big piece of that overall stress bucket, but there's stress from over-exercise. So that's why we had to mention that there's stress from not eating enough. That's why we had to start there. There's stress from, you know, inflammation in the body or any, you know, hidden infections, anything like that. So we've got a lot of different pieces of that stress puzzle. And so doing anything we can to bring that down is going to help our brain feel like now is a safe time, a safe space to produce hormones. So I'm a big fan of meditation, of breathing exercises, because Mm -hmm. they're free, we can do them at home, and they make a big difference. And the last one is, is playtime, like literally not doing anything for a specific purpose, but just like playing. We don't, we don't play much, but just like doing something that you really enjoy for the sake of the fact that you enjoy it. You're not doing it for a specific outcome. What are some of your favorite things to do during your playtime? Because we did it as children all the time, right? Yes, I know. We get so disconnected from that. Um, For me, it's really just being outside, like in any capacity. Um, I'm fortunate enough to live close to the beach. So anytime I can get to the beach and be in the sand or play in the water, that's like, those are precious moments for me where I feel like I am totally um, in the moment and present and just, just being and not worrying about things five weeks ahead of time or my to-do list, just really being present. Um, so outside moving, 
That's awesome. Maybe all the ladies listening to this episode right now can maybe reflect on what it means to them to play and how they can include a little bit more playtime in their life. Yeah, for sure. And, and explore hobbies. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if it's just me, but I felt like the farther into adulthood I get, the less I'm able to even answer the question of like, what do you like to do in your free time? I'm like, I, I have no idea. I don't even know what I like to do. And I used to play piano growing up. And mm-hmm. I just realized that playing piano was like such a fun activity for me to bring back as a form of play. Um, and it's like a creative outlet. It's using my brain in a different way. So explore things that you used to do that made you happy, that you know, didn't serve a particular purpose. You just enjoyed. Yeah. That's such great advice for sure. So um, do you have other blocks to address our brain health um, after stress? Yeah, the last one, actually, I do have two because we didn't talk about sleep. That one will be quick, but we just we have to have to have to be sleeping if we want our brains to be healthy and happy. Um, That's the time when our brain gets to take out the trash um, in circulation out of our brain through our lymph. Um, and it's also when we get a good reset for the hormonal systems in the body. So if we're not getting good sleep, we miss out on all of the benefits that our brain has to offer in the hormone world. So, you know, I like to have people aim for that eight hours a night um, and taking a look at their nighttime routine, you know, limiting screen time, making sure we don't have caffeine later in the day, doing things at night that help wind down and um, bring, bring it into the day. So sleep is a big one. And then the last one was just talking about a few specific nutrients that I like for brain health. I mean, I I always like to do that kind of thing last because focusing on a specific nutrient won't do anything if all those basics aren't happening first. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, But the the handful of ones that come to mind for brain health specifically would be omega-3 fatty acids. So like a good fish oil, um, choline that we get from egg yolks magnesium, vitamin D and our B vitamins. Those are like the heavy hitters. Yes. Awesome. And we can (laughs) do those through food and supplementation too. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So food first, whenever that's an option. And then there are supplements there to back you up if you need it. Awesome. Thank you so much, sweetheart. So I have one more question for you before you go. And honestly, thank you so much for sharing all of that information with us. I know the ladies are just going to love it. Um, But what does it mean to you to be unbreakable? Mm, That's a good question. Um, I think it's really the theme of our entire conversation. It's you're unbreakable when you are on the same team as your body, when the decisions that you make are there to nourish and support your body, because you know that it has your back, you're, you're unbreakable. It's food decisions. Don't stress you out anymore. You exercise based on what makes you feel good. Your stress is lower. So it's, it's about remembering that you're not at opposition with your body. You're not fighting it. It truly wants what's best for you and it wants to heal. And the sooner we can get on that same team, the sooner we would be unbreakable. That's amazing. Okay. So (laughs) where can everyone find you? I know you mentioned a hormone academy Mm -hmm. as well. So you can talk about that a little bit. So the ladies know um, how to get access to you and your services. Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram. It's at Kaylee RD. My name is spelled weird. It's K-A-E-L-Y. 
And then my website is the same. It's kayleyrd.com. And um, that's where you'll find information about my one-on-one services and then some fun on social media. And then the course that I mentioned is called Her Hormones Academy. um, And it's an online women's health course and community that I created with another women's health focused dietitian. And it was really just designed to be the resource we wish we had when we were going through our own hormonal journeys. It's teaching you how your body works and how to identify imbalances and how to overcome it with diet, lifestyle, supplementation. Um, And you can find more about that at herhormonesacademy.com. We have an Instagram for that too. So awesome. I'd love to say hi to anybody that listened. Yes. Well, I will link that all up in the show notes. So thank you so much again, Kaylee. Of course. Thanks so much for having me. Yes. Anytime. You'll be back. Okay, good. (laughs) 